So yeah, so I'm kind of nervous this morning, but um, I'm really excited, and I have been for a week, and it's been really weird, because when I get up um, and think about doing this, I kind of want to throw up. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I want to do that really excitedly. <laughs> so I'm, I've decided not to throw up this morning. Um, and uh, I'm wearing a dark shirt this morning um, because I realize that people who preach at TMP, like Don Smith, Jeremy Simpkins, Gary, Joe, get awesome pit stains. And uh, so I was planning on wearing like a pattern shirt that doesn't show those, but I'm totally at the mercy of sweat this morning. So I was going to make a hilarious joke about you can't see the sweat because I'm wearing a pattern shirt, but here I am in a black shirt. Okay. And uh, I'm just really glad that Gord and Adam, the last couple of weeks, have set the bar really, really high uh, for what's going on. It's really encouraged me to prepare well. Um, and I won't have a joke as funny as Adam's. I'm sorry, but his was awesome. I'm going to keep it PG, and you can listen to that on the website. So this morning, um, Krista Crow is going to read... Um, from the word, and then I'm going to pray, and we'll get right into it. So, Krista. The scripture is from Acts 10, 44 to 11, 18. While Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem... The circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me, told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us that he had seen an angel in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the gift of, 
of, to them as you gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, To the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Thank you, Marissa. So let's just pray. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you how it's a Father's love that accepts us. We thank you for sending Jesus, the way we can be reunited with you and brought into your family. And God, we just want to pray that you'll be with us this morning. God, I want you, your Holy Spirit, to fill me up, God, so I can speak well and fill us all up, God, so we can be receptive to what you want to speak to us this morning. I pray that my words be your words this morning. Amen. So, um, I'm just going to give a small recap of last week and then kind of say where we are. So, if you weren't here last week, this is what happened. Peter, who is a Jewish Christian and kind of one of the early guys in the early church was around this place called Lydda or Lydda, and he was healing people. He raised, he like healed this paralytic, and he also raised someone from the dead named Tabitha. And then these people were like, come to Joppa, which is kind of, if this is a map, it's right here. <laughs> and Caesarea is kind of up here. <laughs> so that's my map. And, um, so they're like, come to Joppa. And so he was like, all right. So he's staying with this guy, Simon the Tanner. He like tans animal hides for a living. And uh, he's sitting on the guy's roof. And it's lunchtime. He's getting hungry and has a vision about the sheep coming down. And it's like this whole thing where he feels God is saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he's like, no way. I've never eaten stuff like this before. It's unclean. And it's like happens three times simultaneously in a place called Caesarea. Cornelius, who's a centurion. Um, has a vision, and he's like, you should send to Joppa for this guy named Peter who's sitting on a roof having a vision right now, and you should send three guys to him to come to bring him to you, tell you some good news. And so Peter, and so Cornelius is like, all right, go. He sends two servants and a soldier, and they go. And then Peter is sitting on this roof, and as these guys are like approaching Joppa, he has a vision from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's like, hey, there's some guys coming to get you, <laughs> to bring you to this guy named Cornelius, and you should go with them. And so we see the Holy Spirit just like bring everybody together. And then they're like, oh, I should go with you guys. And he's like, come on, three of my Jewish friends, let's go to Caesarea. So the seven of them go to Caesarea. And then they meet Cornelius. Cornelius is like, oh, man, bow down to you. And Peter's like, no, don't bow down to me. I'm just a man. But I'm going to preach the gospel to you. And so he does. And I kind of felt like Gore got cheated a little bit last week. Because it's like, and then he preached the gospel. And then the word, like the sentence after that, I feel is like a big punch in the spiritual face because it's like, and then as he was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on them. And it's like, what a place for Gore to leave off. I feel so bad. But at the same time, I'm so glad that it's me doing this. <laughs> and so that's kind of where we pick it up right now. So I'm going to explain a couple things. So it's important that we understand Pentecost. Um, to understand a parallel here. So in chapter 2 of Acts, Pentecost happened. And can you guys see that? Is it really washed out? Oh, frig. Okay. So it says Pentecost. They don't really say much. Maybe I'll say the points as they come up. So Pentecost happened, and it was like the Holy Spirit coming on the early church, Jewish Christians, and it was like with fire and a raging wind. And they all got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. 
And the Greek word that they use for this praising God while this happening is megaleos. I don't really know how to pronounce Greek, so that's my best shot. And I heard that if you pronounce things really quickly and don't really stumble on them, people think you're really smart. So that's what I'm going to do. And so they, that was the word they used then. And um, this was how they identified them being filled with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues. It's like, well, obviously this is supernatural outpouring of, like, you know, this is not normal. And so this is like, we're like, okay, we're filled with the Holy Spirit now. So that's important to understand. My second point, and forgive me if you're big into words, because I'm not really, and this, it's not really Gentile cost, okay, but I didn't really have a word to describe the event, so I called it Gentile cost. I understand that, you know, there's not really the same significance, okay? We'll talk about it later. I don't care, okay? So this is what I want to call it. So Gentile cost happened, and the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were praising God. And the Greek word they use for praising God there is megalino, which is synonymous with megaleo. So it's like, oh, an interesting parallel. And then the Jewish Christians who came with Peter to Caesarea, who had heard about this Holy Spirit falling in the upper room Pentecost, were like, these guys are speaking in tongues too. And so they understood this like parallel. They're like, well, if, if we got filled with the Holy Spirit and we're speaking in tongues, and these guys are speaking in tongues, they must be filled with the Holy Spirit too. So that must mean that God has opened things up to people who aren't Jewish. It's like, okay, they're on board with this. They can relate to this. And then it's like kind of like a barrier turned into a bridge almost because one of the things that really separated Jews and Gentiles in the early church was language. It was like, you know, you could count on a lot of other things to separate the two, but language was obvious. It's because the Jews at the time spoke um, Semitic languages, so like Aramaic or Hebrew or a host of others, and Gentiles primarily spoke a common Greek. And so there was always this big divide. It was kind of like this security and alienation for these two groups of people. And so what happened was they had this divide, and then God was like, you're going to speak in tongues, and you're going to speak in tongues. And now what once divided you, I'm bringing you together through the Holy Spirit. And so it's interesting to understand these parallels um, because they can apply to our life. So I'm going to have a drink of water because that's what Joe said to do, slow down. And sometimes I, sl- I talk too fast and I yell. No, no, Barb told me not to yell today. I listen to what she says. So we can see through this that the Gentiles receiving salvation and the Holy Spirit, I think this is a pretty good thing to say that, oh man, that's so washed out, that salvation is, in, is inclusive. There's now no one who's separated from God. In fact, in Acts 10, verse 34, Peter's like, God shows no favoritism. And in verse 43, he says, everyone who believes in him, being Jesus, receives forgiveness of sins through his, Jesus' name. And so we see this great, like, God's, like, kind of putting his arms around everybody and bringing everybody into the church. And now there's no exclusion. And I think that applies to today. We don't exclude anybody from receiving salvation. We don't exclude anybody based on anything. So it doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter 
where you grew up, um, what, what you look like. It doesn't matter, um, like, in, like uh, these apply internationally as well. So, like, it doesn't matter what tribe you're from. If you're in Africa, it doesn't matter what caste you're in. If you're in India, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. God makes no distinction anymore between who can receive salvation. And we see this illustrated in this. And we're also part of one family. In Romans 8.15, it says, we haven't received the spirit of a slave, but we've actually received the spirit of adoption and we're adopted into God's family. And where? I wrote down everything this morning on a little pad of paper because I was like, Really hoping this morning, can you just like chuck that down here? Okay, Michael's going to run it. Like, Michael wore a tux yesterday. He looked really sharp. His last name's Crow, so we were pretending that he was Russell Crowe's son. And uh, I wore a tux, so I was his bodyguard. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah. He wanted to call me an assistant. I said, no way. I don't help with your makeup. I bodyguard you. And so we see that like there's this inclusion sense we're brought into the, in God's family and Gary shared this morning, dad, about um, us being able to cry out to God as our dad or as Abba Father. And that is so true and awesome that we can call dad God and God dad, that they're the same person now. And Keith and I were talking this week about like, different ways that we have, like, wrong perspectives. And it's like sometimes we see our earthly father, or our, sometimes we see God through our earthly father's kind of lens, I guess. And we expect the same things of God. But sometimes what we should be doing all the time is seeing our earthly father through God's perspective. That's a tough thing, but the Bible says we can do it. The Bible says that we're now in the family. So... I was, uh, I left a big blank space in my uh, notes this morning because all week I, I'd like, I'd planned to say all this and then at this part where it talks about um, inclusion and being filled with the Holy Spirit, I left a big blank spot with, with stuff like this. It was great to have the prophetic picture from blank <laughs> and it was great that this person shared this verse. And so I was, like, having faith that things were going to happen. So this morning when John Waugh shared out and then Keith shared out and Gord shared out and Barb shared and Gary shared and Marlee shared, I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, you had this the whole time. <laughs> like, I was like, I was able to fill in this big blank spot. And so now... Now we're unified in the Holy Spirit. And it's this sharing of stuff that I think brings us together. It's that we can be encouraged by one another um, no matter who we are. I know a lot of you, I don't know everybody because there's people being added to our church. Yeah. Um, but I know that there's a really vast array of people who do totally different things for a living. I know that there are people who work for the government, and I applaud you. <laughs> and there are people who work in business, which I have no idea about. There's people who work in construction, like me. There's teachers. There's people who work 
um, regular jobs that maybe don't have a big ladder to climb, but you're doing it right now because you're like walking through time to your real job. And it doesn't matter what we do for a living or it doesn't matter what we look like. When, a, when something is shared, we can all be encouraged by it no matter what we do. Like how many people are chasing after like Gord's degree? <laughs> I have no idea what Gord actually does at school. Okay, so yeah. Again, no idea what that's about. <laughs> um, but when he shares, I know I see his heart. And when people like Daryl always shares, and like I love listening to Daryl share because he's so Daryl and honest. But like, and I can relate to Daryl, but there's, there's no more emphasis that I put on the two. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no, I don't say, I think Daryl had a, a really great word and Gord's was okay. It's like they both encourage me. And that is so great that we can be encouraged on Sunday mornings when we come here and people share and we're of the same spirit and we see the Holy Spirit knitting things together and bringing us together. And there's a little bit of significance, I think, and I'm not going to like overplay it too much, but uh, I think there's significance to seven people coming to Caesarea. So we had the three that initially went to go get Peter, the two servants and the soldier, they were Gentiles. And then when they got Peter, that was four. And then Peter got his three Jewish friends, that was seven. And like, I'm not like a big in the numbers guy, but seven was kind of significant, I was reading, because back from when Jewish people came from, there was two really big oppressors of like their whole walk. Egyptians, and then they were occupied by the Romans. And in Egyptians, in, in like the Egyptian law, if you wanted to prove a case, you needed seven witnesses. And under Roman law, if you wanted to validate a contract or you wanted to sign a will, you needed seven seals. And so obviously, Jewish people knew this. They were oppressed by them. <laughs> you know, they had to follow these laws at some point in their history, and they were familiar with this. And so I think that when Peter was convincing the circumcision party, which is not my kind of party, of what was going on, he was like, and there were seven of us. That's, that's Barb and me coming out right there. And so there were seven of them. And I think that was significant because they're like, okay, well, we know this history. We know it's seven people. That's significant. Okay. They were kind of convinced of that. So I'm going to put that one on the shelf. So I like to say, are you picking up what I'm putting down? Keith knows this a lot. I'm like, Keith, man, are you picking up what I'm putting down? Are you getting what I'm saying? I feel like God was saying to Peter um, throughout this story of, of Gord's part and my part, God was like, Peter, are you picking up what I'm putting down? It's like, Peter, I'm giving you this, vis- this vision about this tablecloth coming down from heaven with all these unclean animals on it, and I think that you shouldn't call anything common that I've called clean. And Peter's like, hmm, food is a really big part of what I believe. <laughs> Peter doesn't get it. And so then he's explaining this vision to Cornelius, and he's like, and then I had this vision. And I think he's like, okay, maybe this has a little more significance than I actually first thought. And then he explains it again to the people who come and criticize him, and he's kind of understanding it more. And so I think we're a lot like Peter, where we don't really get it the first time God talks to us, right? 
And sometimes we're still kind of stuck in our own barriers to stuff. Like, I know for me, um, I think we were just talking about this last night, I have a really hard time not making snap judgments about people. Who would have guessed? And so um, I'm working on it, okay? This is, you know, something that I struggle with. But it's tough for me sometimes not to just decide really quickly that this person is like this. And later on, I kind of get over myself and I realize, okay, that wasn't a right thing to do and this person is actually really awesome and not like I thought. But it takes a lot for me to get over that. Sometimes I'm like Peter and I feel like God kind of has to like beat on my head a little bit and tell me these things over and over and over. And we can do that all the time. We can do that all the time through how we put up walls between us and God and we always go back to these walls and it's tough to break through these walls. But God shows that even when Peter was still not getting it, even when Peter was like, this is, this is all about Mosaic command and this is all about this and Gentiles, I, I don't really think that they're in. But the reality is what happened? When Jesus came, do you think salvation was just open to just the Jews? I don't think so. I think that... When Jesus came and made the way, he made the way for everybody. And so salvation was open for everybody, but Peter still wasn't really getting it. And it took this kind of instance to let him know that, yeah, salvation is open for everybody, and you should actually preach to everybody because of that. And God, through breaking this wall down in Peter's mind, brought new life. I think that when Peter finally got it and he started to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, he was like, oh my gosh. Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit and because they were pumped. They were like a room full of gourds when they received the Holy Spirit. I saw Arcade Fire last week and there was this guy who I'm convinced if Gord wasn't a Christian, this would be Gord. This guy like always just like shakes his leg like this and like his butt like this and he's got this drum on a string he's like... And then he like goes and runs around like the outer stage like this, like banging on the... I saw that happening just before I did it. And I couldn't stop it from happening. So he's banging on this drum, and I think that's Gord. So I think these guys were like Gord when they received the Holy Spirit. They're like, yeah! It's like, I'm pumped about picnics! And that's the, a great thing about breaking through a wall is that on the other side, there's new life. There's been a lot of pictures and images of this. Like the last couple of years, people have said, like, you know, we're climbing over this vine that's on a wall to get to the other side, among other things, and it's been really good. So sometimes we got to break down these barriers that we erect on our own. And we can't do it on our own. We put them up by ourselves or maybe we're encouraged by our flesh or encouraged by our old nature to put them up because they're familiar, but we can't break them down on our own. And so I'm not going to name all of everything, but I'll name four that I think are pretty um, common to us. That was a Joe Cummings moment. Common to us. <laughs> a Gary moment would have been if I cried while I said that.
So we see that a couple, so we'll look at four of these barriers. So first one, I think, um, I'll say is fear. So sometimes, like, we fear things that we can't control, we fear the unknown. So control can be good. Sometimes we can be like, okay, I've got to get my finances order. I've got to get control of what I'm spending and what I'm saving. I've got to make a plan. And after you like, hey, I make the savings plan, you start making that a habit, you start putting money away. And after you do that for a while, this gets like a comfortable thing and it doesn't seem like you're doing anything. You're just putting money away and you don't really notice it's going away because you budgeted and blah, blah, blah. And control is good. But control can sometimes be bad. Sometimes we can be so caught up in I have to know what's going on. I have to know the next step. And I have to know what's going to go on in a year or two years or three years or four years. And I don't really want to be part. You don't say this. I don't say this, I guess. But sometimes I think that it's in me somewhere where I'm like, I don't really want to be a part of what God has for me because I'm scared of what it's going to be like. And sometimes our fear of the unknown can trump God's plan for us. Another one can be maybe we're hesitant and we don't want to be really involved with what God's going on right now, what God's got going on right now. Sometimes we can be like, eh, busy, eh, it's not really convenient, I'm not really ready. John Mayer says, you're never really ready. That's the only, I don't know, pearl of wisdom from John Mayer I know. But we're never really ready. I was, like, talking to Aaron Page a while ago and <laughs> before they got married, and I was like, man, how do you feel about this? And he's like, well, I don't feel ready, but I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. And that's just it. Like, I don't have any children, but... I can think that you're never really ready to have kids. <laughs> Sometimes it just happens. And God makes you ready for it when you have a yes in your heart. And you say that, you know what, I'll never really have it all together, but I got a yes in my heart about this. Another one is maybe we're uninformed about something. That can be um, a big thing, I think. I don't really agree with everything Mark Driscoll says, but I think he has hilarious illustrations. And he was talking about how when we don't know much about the Holy Spirit and we have a wrong view of the Holy Spirit, things can kind of get really kooky. And he's like, if you have a view of the Holy Spirit that is a, white, a, a guy in a white suit with slick-backed hair with a woman on his arm who is wearing a dress, looks like she lost a paintball war, he's like, you'll think the Holy Spirit is crazy. <laughs> he's like, but if you think about the Holy Spirit and the person, the work of Jesus and how Jesus was the model of the Holy Spirit all through the New Testament, you'll love the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we can be uninformed about things, and that freaks us out. Other times, and this is one for me, um, you just feel inadequate. You feel like it's all about what I've got to do. It's all about my responsibility. It's all about my merit. It's all about my work. It's all about my cross that I've got to carry. And we're focusing in on ourselves. But I think that God wants to say to us that he wants to break these barriers that we put up. And it's a really simple solution, worked out many, many, many times. 
It's the truth every time. Don't, like, get me wrong. I have no idea how to work out every single problem. And I'm not saying that it's a really silver bullet-like solution to everything because situations are messy and real life is complicated. But I think, I believe, and I hope that the truth is what trumps all these things and the truth is what breaks through. And you can say a lot more on these, but I'll just say a few things. To my fear, I remember what it says in Matthew. It says that God's going to give us good things. It says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So I'm like, God, I don't really know what your Holy Spirit is. I don't really know what's going on. But I trust, because your word says it, that you've given good things because you're my dad. And we read again in 1 John 4.18, it says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. I want that. I want God's perfect love in my life to blow my fear away. I remind myself of the truth. In John 8.31-32, If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That is awesome. I can... I can be done with fear. It's going to come back up, but I can, be, I can have a solution for fear. It's the truth. The truth will set me free from what I'm scared of. If I'm scared of the unknown, it'll set me free from that. If I'm scared of losing control, I'll trust in God. And for hesitation, I think that we can look to the Bible again. In Acts, in chapter 19, it talks about the Ephesians. And these guys were early. They had no clue what they were doing, pretty much. Don Smith was here, he'd have really floppy hair and be like, they want nothing He'd have big pit stains, why did that? <laughs> Love Don Smith. It's like the Ephesians didn't have a clue. Paul was like, well, what baptism have you received? It's like, well, John's baptism. It's like, okay. It's like, that's not the right one. <laughs> it's like, how about you receive repentance? He's like, well, what's that? He's like, how about you receive the Holy Spirit? They're like, what's that? Paul teaches into this, and the Ephesians is like, okay, great. It says, as they heard these things, they were wanted to do them and i think we should follow that example if you want something we shouldn't be just like well i've received right teaching on this and i think this is really true but i still don't really know if this is what i should be doing it's like well we should get in the word and see the example that's before us and maybe we should live like that and that is scary i'm not trying to sound like i do that all the time i don't even get into a pool really quickly most of the time when, when there's no one else home, I'm in dad's house, I seriously spend 15 minutes. I'm like, toe. <laughs> and then I was there with all the boys from the youth group, and it was a hot day in the morning, and then we, in the afternoon it wasn't, and I was like, come over to the pool in the morning, and then when we got there, it was overcast, and I was like, oh, no. And so Sam jumped in, and uh, he was, like, swimming around, and I was, like, standing on the top. I was like, oh, man. He's like... Just get in. And I was like, I was like, but it's cold. <laughs> like I said before, I think that we can we can work out our not knowing like our you know our wrong thinking through the Bible. I think that we can look in Luke to see like how the Holy Spirit works in Jesus. There's so much awesome stuff 
in Luke about how Jesus lived by the Holy Spirit and Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. And there's tons of deep theological things that I would probably defer to Ryan on about how Jesus emptied himself as divinity and lived by the Holy Spirit. That's a really loose, probably jagged way of saying that. It's probably not clearly accurate. But we see a Jesus lived by the Holy Spirit. And he's our model. And so, for inadequacy, I want to tell you a story. A friend of mine in leadership, um, we were getting together one time, and when I walked in, you could see this like look of rejection on his face. And I'll say his, it's not going to narrow it down, I've got lots of guy friends, they all have really deep issues wrong with them, <laughs> so you'll never guess. When I walked in, I saw his face, and it, it hurt. And one of our friends came out to me, he's like, we got to pray. And when I came over to him, I was like, man, what's up? He's like, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was, init- it was mostly, I'm not good enough. I don't got what it takes. I've screwed it up. It's the clutch moment, and I can't come in. He's like, I'm, dis- I'm disqualifying myself from God. I don't even want to face God right now. And I was, I've been there. So I was so glad that we could bring the truth in that situation. <laughs> I love grabbing people really hard on the shoulder if they're my friends. So I grabbed them really hard on the shoulder. And I was like, God, and I started to pray. And this is what I prayed. I was like, God, thank you for loving us so much that even when we were sinners and deserved death, you sent Jesus to us. And Jesus is the only way that we can be saved. And when he died, we died with him. And when he was buried, our sins were buried with him. And when he rose from the dead, our old self stayed in the ground. And we were brought with new life. And then, if that wasn't enough, When Jesus walked on the earth and was filled with the Holy Spirit and ascended into heaven and was glorified, he gave us the Holy Spirit. And now the old is gone and the new has come. We're new creations with new desires and we don't want these old desires. We don't want to wallow in our own disqualification or our own sin any longer. But we want what you want. We receive your acceptance and we receive your grace. I was like, yeah! (laughs) I love praying that. I love praying that for myself. I love praying that for other people because it's the acceptance of God. It's the Father's love. And then I was like, man, I really think it's important that we kind of speak this out verbally, like for real. And so I was like, I think you just speak against this. And he was like, God, I just reject this spirit of inadequacy and I receive your grace. And we're not alone in this. It's not just like great self-talk. It's not something that we just drum up on our own. I don't tell myself that, you know, like today's going to be a good day. Today's going to be a good day. Baby steps out the door. Baby steps in the elevator, right? I'm not what about Bob. We got the Trinity who comes alongside of us. We got God the Father who sent the Son, who the Son who willingly went to earth, became a curse for us, became sin for us, died for us, rose for us. It says, I, I love this, this song. It's probably from somewhere else, but it says, Dying, he destroyed our death. Rising, he restored our life. I love knowing that truth. 
So, last week, I uh, went to YouTube, and it was awesome. And uh, I paid eighty-four fifty for a ticket to stand in the mud. So, I'm going to pull up my map again. So, say up here is the stage. And here there's some bleachers, and here there's some bleachers, and here there's some bleachers. Like, this is the inner stage, and this is like an outer stage. Yeah. It's coming. <laughs> then, like, right here, from, like, this is the outer stage. Then, like, from here to here, there was, like, these metal plates in the ground that you could stand on and not get full of mud. And then there was gravel, and then a big mud pit, and then a hilly mud pit. And so it's, like, 84.50 gets to his seat in the mud if you're there late. <laughs> so I was like, oh, awesome. So we were on the way on the bus, and I was there with my cousin. I was like, man, I really hope that we can, like, I've heard that you could get really close to you two if you're among, like, the first couple thousand people there. But we were like, well, we were arriving at 4.30. The gates open at 3. You were like, no way. So we get there. And I'm like, that'd be cool, man. He's like, yeah, that'd be cool. He's like, I hope they play walk-on. I was like, me too. <laughs> and so then we get there, and... I have, uh, Warren, could you just help me out for a sec? Could you, like, lift up your foot? I had those shoes on. And I love these shoes, Vibram, Five Fingers, they're great shoes. I was convinced they were the best thing to come to this concert. It's going to be a mud pit. So me and uh, Stephen Gallant and his friend, our friend Colton Conrad, were there for a bachelor party. And we're getting there. We get to the gate, and I've got my phone. And Mom calls me on my phone. And this is... Barb, go to the left. <laughs> what? Go to the left. Go to the left. The, the left. It's like, what are you talking about? She's like, I'm like, where are you? She's like, I'm by the claw. The claw is 140 feet high and 100 feet wide. And I'm like, be more specific. She's like, the left side of the claw. So I like, and she, then I was like, okay. So I start walking. And then I hear it's like, run. So I'm like going like this. And Stephen is right behind me like this, and like, we're like sinking the mud up to our ankles, and like, it's disgusting. We get there, and we all had to wear ponchos. We bought these really crappy ponchos, and Aram's poncho was bright orange, and it said one size fits all. Aram's like, I thought it'd be like one size fits anybody, not everybody, because it was like this big. <laughs> and mom, I was talking to mom, I was running, and then I was like, she's like, look for Aram, look for Aram. And I see like this orange blob looking like this, right? And so I follow Aram, and he's like, you're talking to this girl. She will take your regular ticket, and she will give you a bracelet. I'm like, great. What's that? Game? He's like, you get to be really close to you, too. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was ready to, like, die. I called Christy. I was like, I'm in here. She's like, if you die, you're going to heaven now. <laughs> and so when we got in, we got the bracelet on. I was like, great. And so I was like, who can I call? Who can I call? And Steve, Jordan's, no, Stephen's like, I want to call Jordan, his, his fiance, now wife. He's like, she's here with the whole bachelor party. I want to call her. And I was like, okay, not before I call people. And so then I was calling my people, and I was like, hey, come on, you can do this. You can get here. You can get here. And so a bunch of my friends get there, and one of my friends is like this. And I'm like, go with the girl with the bracelets. And so she like gets there, and the girl takes the ticket, and there's this it was crazy what it was. There was like this guy standing over here in a trench coat. And he just like go over to him and he pulls a bracelet out of his trench coat. <laughs> Super weird. She gets a bracelet on and she's like, 
what does this mean? <laughs> I was like, what does this mean? And so we got in, and it was funny, and we were all kind of blown away. And when the concert started, it was awesome. You should all be jealous. And when it was going on, I was loving it, and another one of my friends was, was there with me, and they were just like, the whole time and like singing and like there was like this look of disbelief on our face our faces so put that on the shelf for a second that whole emotional roller coaster so we read in chapter 11 that after this happens the gentiles see the holy spirit peter's like this is awesome word gets out and the, the church in jerusalem hears about this and then Peter's like, okay, well, there's some criticism coming up against me, so I'm going to face it. And so these guys come up to Peter, circumcision party, and they're like, why are you staying with the Gentiles? Why are you eating with these guys? You know, it's against our law. And Peter doesn't just, okay, we'll, we'll back up. Peter is a coward, okay? Okay, and he's like, you know, down in his flesh, Peter's a coward. He denied Jesus three times, once to a little girl, Okay, Peter's no, like, super strong hero of the church. It makes me glad because I'm like, okay, I'm not great either. <laughs> Thank you, Peter, that you paved the way that we can suck, but still be good for God. <laughs> and so here's Peter, and it's, uh, it's surprising how he reacts to these Jewish teachers because they're like, you shouldn't eat with the Gentiles because they're unclean. And I, I would expect Peter to be like, you're right, let's go not eat pork or something like that. But instead, he lays out what happened. He tells them the truth, and he lays it out clearly. And you know what else happens? I think he's filled with the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 26, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. He's in the word parakletos. He talks about the helper, and he says, The helper whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I have said. And Peter's like, hmm. He's thinking about this, and he's like, I remember this now. I remember, I'm just going to pull this up so I say it right. He remembered that when John the Baptist come, it came, he says, after me, so John the Baptist talking, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down to you and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he, meaning Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It's like the Holy Spirit is reminding him of what's been said. And so he uses this truth that he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to remember to tell people who criticized him. And I think that we can learn a lot from Peter because our own stuff will always come back. Not always. One day we'll be in heaven. It won't be there anymore. It'd be great. And after a while of sowing to the spirit, it says sowing to the flesh, our problems will seem less upfront. But the, that the fact remains that things come back. But we can learn from Peter. Because this isn't the last time we see the circumcision party come and criticize him. It happens in, in Acts 15 again. And the Council of Jerusalem is convened. And they deal with this thing. But it comes back. And we've got to be like Peter. And we've got to fight our old desires. Peter's desire was to go back to the law. We've got to fight our old desires with the Holy Spirit. And with the truth. We've got to lay the truth out just like Peter did. And we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit just like Peter was. And we've got to remember what Jesus says. So we've got to be in the word. And we've got to fight these things because our habits aren't good sometimes.
our habits bring us down. And you say, okay, well, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and we can tell ourselves all the good things. And for me, that would probably do me for a while. But what does it for a long time for me is that I have a hope that we have new desires to do new things in the Spirit and good things, and that that is better than sin. That's the lie, isn't it? It's like, you want this. You want to do this this way. You want to do things your way, and it's better like that. And that's the lie. Because really, when God fills us with his Holy Spirit and we have accepted the Father's love, our new desires trump our old desires. And it's not just for us either. It's good to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's good to have good theology. It's good to have personal growth. But we don't do these things to sit in our study and read about it. We don't just do these things so we can sit down in a chair on Sunday morning and like, and we can identify all the verses people are bringing up and speak them with our mouths, even though those are good things. That's not the aim of all this. The aim of all this is to have right theology, to get the gospel right, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be empowered, to preach the resurrection of Jesus to the whole world. That's what I want to do. I want to be filled with faith that I can see people filled with the Holy Spirit. They can be saved in whatever order that happens and that they can know the full love of the Father. So I would say, choose the front row. Why would I have kept my 8450 ticket for the mud when I knew that there was somebody offering me something better? Now, don't take my analogy too far because only 2,000 people were allowed near Bono or whatever. <laughs> I believe only 2,000 people can get filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> no. I think it's available for everybody. But if given the choice, why would you stand in the mud and try to make the best of it when you can be so close, when you can be so intimate, 